Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Tonight we stay in-house with our very own CTO, Kyle English. Welcome to the program, Kyle. And can you tell our listeners where they can find you when you're not chatting up Goody and I and telling us all the awesome things that are going to be coming at us on Reality Sports Online in the near future? Yeah, sure. You can find me uh, at my Twitter handle, at RSO Kyle English. Um, I also handle the inquiries like 20% of the time. So if you email to contact us, uh, you might get me as well. Happy to be on the program. Thanks a lot, man. And Goody, how about you, partner? What's up with you lately? Uh, just a whole, whole lot of NBA playoffs, a little bit of other stuff, and starting to enjoy the summer up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, also getting really excited about this upcoming football season. I know it's been kind of slow on the news front, but um, we, we still have lots of great content coming, kind of filling in all the gaps um, on things we haven't necessarily covered yet, and we'll have tons of podcasts coming even, even in the summer. You, you and me are work, working hard so that we can get everybody on board and ready and excited about the RSO leagues. Absolutely. Kyle, thanks for coming out with us tonight. I have to say, in entering the reality sports online world, starting the All About Reality pod, like, first of all, when I was just a player and general manager in reality sports online, you were always super responsive. You always drew our drew my league mates in. They, they've commented continuously on how quickly you respond to their concerns. I think it's a real credit, and you are a real credit to, to what we're trying to build here. Um, and thanks for making time for us tonight. Fortunately, we get to let you do some fun stuff in, in addition to all the hard work you do beside behind the scenes. So um, Goody has a few a few questions for you to, to that end. So I'll turn you over to Goody for a second. Sure. Um, I'd like to echo what Luke's saying about um, just I think one of the things that differentiates reality sports online from some other platforms is kind of that close personal attention, kind of like the the, the new J the Jerry Maguire model, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, so um, it's good to have like a fa family oriented atmosphere, so to speak. And um, speaking of differentiation, I, I kind of want to talk uh, with you about some of the tech things, some, you know, enhancements, thing things that are kind of getting implemented now um, that, you know, would differentiate reality sports online from other dynasty or other fantasy football platforms. So can you talk, can you talk about some of the things that, you know, are kind of in, in the works and in the near and imminent future? Sure. First and foremost, we're going to be rolling out a new app, mobile app before the season. Um, you know, that's a common, we'll call it a pain point with some of our users. Should be a new UI, look a little fresh, somewhat similar to what we did with the site. Uh, we'll also be uh, rolling out trade functionality uh, with that as well, which will be welcome for me as well, uh, just personally. Uh, we're going to be getting first down scoring here very, very quickly. That actually might be ready by the time the listeners are listening to this. So that's, uh, you know, just another story, uh, scoring customization that, you know, people have been asking for. Those are kind of the two, two bigger things that are left uh, before the season kicks off. You know, we've done a lot, obviously, uh, up until this with the uh, third year franchise tag, uh, which is now... The third year, the franchise tag is 144% or the highest franchise tag position value, which is, yeah, a lot. Probably won't see that used too often, but it's there. We already did the, you guys have talked extensively about the franchise tag extension stuff, uh, rookie options. That's all good. So it's been a, uh, it's been a good off season and, you know, we're, we're looking to keep it going. 
That's great. Talk to me, Kyle, for a moment. I'm always interested to get a to get a peek behind the veil. How long has it? How much of your life has spent been spent building this sandbox that we love to play in? Like, how much? <laughs> like, like, what are, what are we talking about? Oh, a lot. Um, so, what what actually a lot of people don't necessarily know is that I actually started out as a as, as a user as well. I joined. I found RSO in twenty. 13, I believe. Um, they had a Fortune article written about them. I found them. I managed to convince some of my uh, more hardcore league mates to, to join. I started pestering Stephen and Matt. I mean, not pestering is maybe a, a strong... They might say it's pestering. I didn't think it was pestering. You know, just saying like, hey, you know, like here's here's a few improvements uh, that I, you know, that I think you could make. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm a coder. And if you wanted some help with it, you know, I'm, I'd be willing to put in the time. Fortunately, they I got lucky as all hell. Um, they picked me to essentially uh, come on board and take things over for them, and that was in 2015, and that was a uh, part-time gig uh, while I was working full, full-time making real money. Um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, yeah, then finally this, uh, this past January, we were able to make the big switch. So, you know, we've been able to do a lot more this off-season, um, including redesigning the entire site. And we're going to look to keep that going. Yeah, very good. I'm pretty interested in that um, and how the first down scoring works. That just like a checkbox. I mean, what's what's interesting, appealing to me about that is that you know, it's kind of a first down. Obviously, is a, an accretive NFL play. Whether you know you get seven yards on third and two or, or whatnot. So um, how, yeah, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, a lot of leagues want it because it's, it, their argument is, and I, it's hard to argue against them, to be honest, uh, is that a two-yard run on third and one is different than a two-yard run on first and ten. So essentially what it's going to be is uh, it's going to be somewhat similar to touchdowns, actually. Essentially, there's going to be some point total per first down that they achieve. First downs are going to be broken down into uh, whether it's passing, rushing, or receiving first downs. So you'll be able to uh, differentiate between them because – I imagine a passing first down is probably going to count for a lot less than a than a rushing or even receiving first down. The one caveat is going to be that the the first downs we actually don't get the first down statistic until the final box score as opposed to the live box score. So those won't uh, show up in the live scoring until maybe 30 minutes after uh, after the game's over. It happens with reception targets now, uh, so it should uh, function similar to those. Oh, that's good. Just nothing like some contentious, heartbreaking decisions after the get match to make yep. all of our leagues function more smoothly. So that's, that's great. Yep. But yep. Um, always, always love those Monday nights, 30 minutes after the game, and you're still checking the scores. Yep. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So, Kyle, uh, one of the things that that sets it apart, differentiates it from other from other platforms, is the uh, the auction room. And a lot of people coming to the platform for the first time, the first time they went into that mock auction room. Are, are have, for example, recommendations of the kinds of contracts they ought to be offering players. Can you give us a little bit of insight into the the process that goes behind that, and like and and how and why we as GMs should be looking to those as benchmarks as we start to build our own teams and leagues? Well, I'm going to start off by saying something that might be somewhat unconventional. Um, I don't really think that you should probably pay attention to those all that much. 
they're, you know, we come up with them for the, for the mock auction room and to just kind of give people a baseline idea. But those, those recommended contract values are, are very specific to kind of the league settings. You know, in this case, we designed them for 12-team league, um, you know, with a, the default uh, one four-year contract, two three-year, three two-year contracts, uh, and no IDP um, for the offensive players. We do do some recommended contracts for, for IDP players as well, but those are just kind of above and beyond the, the offensive players. So if your settings differ at all, which they almost certainly do, you know, you need to take that into account and adjust kind of your expectations, right? If you're, you know, if you're in a 16-team league, you can actually probably expect the big guys to go for more than the recommended contract value because there's more competition and, you know, there's more people that want it. So if your scoring differs at all, if, I mean, it's, it's just a good base starting point, but you definitely shouldn't take them like they're gospel. Yeah, that, that's that's a, a pretty good point that you have. I, I mean, I think I tend to agree with you on that. I, I, I've played it for a long time and, and really feel like every league is unique in its own way, shape, or form with scoring. So, But, I, I mean, one thing that I think is valuable for that, especially for new users who want to kick the tires on a 60-player mock auction, um, you know, with other people, which is really like the the best, easiest way to really f- figure out in a snapshot what Reality Sports Online is about, you know, and, and get kind of get your skin in the game before or try before you buy. And you definitely should buy because once you do, there's no going back. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I, I think those values will prevent prevent owners from going to the real auction their first year and having sticker shock. Um, there, there's nothing worse than, you know, I, I think I had sticker shock the first year I was in it and, and where that helped me was I didn't get, I didn't sign on any terrible contracts, but I also had a, a ton of cap space left after the auction and, and I've kind of adjusted and pivoted as, you know, the years have gone by. So I, I think it's good advice to, you know, look at it and it's, it's, it's a, it's a baseline, but at the same time, I've seen those numbers, which are skewing way higher, you know, even on the elite guys, like, you know, four years, 170 million for Odell Beckham Jr. Doesn't sound all that off to me, you know, oh, yeah. especially cause I paid for that in the experts league, you know, a few years ago. So yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think the lengths differ depending on, you know, a few of the players you could, you know, nitpick and argue about some of that, but I think it gives a, a pretty good baseline and, and <clears throat> to, to go into that. And just with the, context that and caveat that all leagues are are unique in some way yep no i i'd agree with all that um the lengths is probably the most the most useful piece of those recommended contracts in my opinion it gives you an idea of who to apply the big one the the big contracts to because that'll really make or break your team like you said i mean the first time you go into the auction room and you see a player go for you know four years and you know nine digits it's uh it's, you know, in your mind, you should be thinking like just percentage of cap wise, but it, it is tough to, it is tough to get over for sure. The other thing that I wanted to mention is if you're not in a startup auction, like you should definitely just throw those right out the window. To me, in my opinion, it is way more useful to look at the contract values that your league mates have already signed in previous auctions to give you an idea of 
probably what the you know what the market going rate's going to be for some of those players. That's definitely what I do without giving too much away. <laughs> right. And me me too. I think I think that I think we since we have so many technology enhancements that have happened just even in the last, you know, year like like extensions like like multi-year extensions, franchise tags, fifth year extension option. There's just more data points here and I think something that that Luke Luke and I have focused on, you know, with your providing kind of some of that data at different points in time to our user base via the podcast, via articles is basically what you know, what contract people are getting signed for in leagues, you know, and each league is different. And if you're in the fourth year of a league and, and there's one prize free agent and, and they happen to be a running back and everything else is tight ends and second string quarterbacks, of course, that, that prize running back is going to go for a trillion dollars. Yep. No, I'd agree with that. And and something else just to touch on the settings, because I know a while back you had a Twitter question about how many leagues use the the default settings. And just to give you an idea, about 10% of our leagues have nine starting positions and 20 roster spots, which is the default, right? And that is that is just – that's not even looking at what starting spots they have. That is just total number of roster spots and total number of starting positions. That doesn't go into scoring or anything. Like, I would be shocked if there's more than a handful of leagues out there that just use the out-of-the-box league settings. Which means that, you know, those recommended contract values for your league, you almost certainly should be adjusting them in some way, shape, or form. That's some good clarity. And I think moving forward with you, we can. I want to ask you something on a fantasy level and then in reality. And, and the, the two questions are related and help us get some insight into your mind as a player and as a, as a professional working in reality sports online. So number one, in our writer's league, the top six contracts in, value, in terms of value per year all went to wide receivers. Do you think that's and and in terms of contract length, those were all three or four year contracts. So we're dropping massive money on those receivers to the tune of like 40, 30 and 40 million dollars per year. Uh is that a position that you're that is that a decision that you're comfortable with, Kyle? You were one of the people that that dropped one of those big contracts on AJ Green. Are you still happy with the AJ Green purchase? like a couple of years into that four year contract when he's, when he's registering at $31 million in our league. I'm not disappointed about it. You know, I mean, he's had some, some injury issues and he definitely hasn't put up the numbers to, to support that. Uh, I just think that giving long-term deals to wide receiver, I mean, you just, you almost have to do that because running backs just don't have the shelf life anymore. You never know when they're going to get supplanted or injured or, you know, Whereas wide receivers are, are much more stable, you know, maybe that's a little high, but I don't, I don't mind doing that um, for them. Honestly, in our league, I think we screwed up in that, uh, especially that initial auction, given it's a super flex. I mean, I don't think many of us had done one of those before. I think quarterbacks should have gone for a lot more than they did. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, that's true to form. I think I, I, our, Quarterbacks tend to be undervalued. I think there's a little bit of a course correction with that in the in the most recent ones. Like you said, those those initial values go out the window and people start overpaying for quarterbacks along the way. But in the, on the reality side of things, Kyle, I was trying to trying to pick your brain for a second. In reality, if you can predict two or three years out, what's your pie in the sky vision 
where are you taking us with reality sports online? What's like the dream at the end of like the, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? What are you, you as our technological leader, like you're a futurist, right? Like lead us to that future. Like, sure. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, we always have a rough roadmap of where we'd like to go. Uh, I think certainly next off season, we're going to do something with, with the draft room to cut the rookie draft room to make that uh, more supportive of uh, slow drafts. Okay. Uh, that's a, that's a common pain point that people have is uh, doing offline rookie drafts, which I mean, I'm a I'm a huge fan of, of doing that because it allows trades during it. So I think we're gonna do a little bit more with that. Uh, we probably we aren't gonna do anything with that this off season just because you know we got rookie drafts going now all the time, and to change that would be uh, difficult to impossible. You know that that's the big one. I mean, two, three years, you know, given enough money and time, I mean, honestly, we could start expanding into other sports potentially. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we could go. First off, though, we definitely, uh, in the near term, we're looking to, to polish off the, the football platform. Uh, we obviously know there's still pain points, but uh, we're, we're certainly working hard to, to smooth those out. So I think we've made good progress. Yeah, no, that, that that definitely is, I, I think, wh where we're going with things. I mean, I, I think we're kind of spoil, spoiling some fellow GMs as well. I, I think that the the process of getting your, especially if you're in a two-round rookie draft, of get uploading or entering in as a commissioner the contracts for two rounds of, of rookies after the fact, if you do it offline, is really, really easy and it takes minutes, so... You know, I, I, we appreciate that there's going to be efforts on that so that it's in system. Because I think once someone goes a platform like this, their preference is just to keep everything in, in the platform and, and not do, use any other technology. So I could appreciate that mindset. But at the same time, from a user experience, from, from a user experience, I don't think it's very painful for, you know, commissioners to get that information in. Yes, it's not, it's not, pain, it's not ideal, but it's not hard either far and away the most common question we get is how to do an offline rookie draft which if you're wondering it's uh on the how it works page uh of the website yeah we apologize for you getting all those questions because the, the, <laughs> those, mu those must be all about reality podcast listeners because i think we hammer that point almost every episode yeah i mean so it's we're creating more questions for you yeah it's it's okay it's okay it's part of the job at this point so but but once you know how to do it, it actually is really simple. Having said that, we obviously understand that uh, users wanting to keep it in the platform. I mean that we would like them to keep it in the platform too. So you know, I think ultimately we we have the same goal, and it's just about getting there. Okay, um, I think we talked the other day, and and I, I think you have some breaking news on this podcast. So I, I I'm I'm very curious about this, as I'm sure Luke is. Yeah, yeah, I figured uh, I figured your podcast was a was a wonderful place to do it. You know, it's not it's not massive. I think it's cool. So since February, we've uh, we've kept it under wraps quite a bit. I mean, I only told you guys about it a couple of days ago. We have now started to do our own in-house proprietary stat projections for players. I mean, I, I think it's really cool. So it's actually an algorithm that I wrote with some input from, from Matt and Steven. And it, essentially, it runs on a nightly basis and updates player stat projections based on uh, even like free agent movement. So a great example from this offseason was uh, Jarek McKinnon 
he was projected for for not a ton because you know Delvin Cook up there in in Minnesota, and he goes to um, the forty. He signs with the 49ers. Uh, and the next day he shows up as, uh, I think in our league, which is a PPR league, he showed up as about RB like 19, 20, uh, which I mean, just from a gut feel seems about right. Uh, I think now he's down to like 23 or 24 with some of the rookies coming in. So, so essentially the stat projection though is, is running really without manual intervention. It's using uh, past statistics and knowledge of where the players are today, how they performed in the past. Essentially, it's figuring out what kind of opportunity they're going to have in the offense, uh, in their current offense or defense uh, runs IDPs too. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really cool. It might actually be more impressive than the extension algorithm that uh, we wrote last year. So I, I'm really excited about it. We kept it under wraps because, you know, we kind of wanted to work out some of the kinks and didn't want to put a whole bunch of pressure on it right off the bat. But uh, we feel like it's in a pretty good place now. You know, C.J. Anderson just recently signed with the Panthers. That's probably like the only recent NFL news that's really worth talking about. So he wasn't really projected for anything because he's a free agent. Uh, signs with the Panthers. Now he's projected for about 30 to 35, RB 30, 35 in our league. But the interesting part is how that affects then the other players. So uh, McCaffrey, he was projected, you know, about RB 8, I think, in our league, which is pretty high. And that was essentially because he didn't have a lot of competition. Uh, after this, after the Anderson signing, you know, he dropped down to, I think, about 13, which, you know, that seems about right, depending on what the workload split there is. So, you know, it, it seems to be working well. We're really excited about it. And just from the business standpoint, it actually saves us a bunch of money because uh, projections, it turns out, are really expensive. So, huh, that's, a, that's a good insight. Like one that not a lot of people would think of as someone who's tried by hand at it for all for the fantasy pro site and try to get some accuracy measurements I, I think it would be great to see rso represented there by your algorithm and the, and the good work that you guys have done for sure like it would be interesting to put stack those predictions up against some of the best and see how we how, how the reality sports online comes out looking like to be honest that's pretty cool i i, I think we're i think we're going to try to do that we'll see we might give it a year just to kind of test the waters ourselves first you know, we, we aren't too worried about it just because, I mean, when it comes down to it, a projection is just a dart throw on the wall. You know, you can get in the right ballpark, but you're never going to be right 100% of the time. You know, injuries are going to crop up. Players are, you know, Kamara is going to come out of nowhere. So, you know, always take them with a grain of salt no matter where they're coming from. Okay. Um, I, I have one very specific question slash concern. Um, how, how did you come up with the projections for rookies and, <laughs> and did you lock Bob Cowper up with inability to type when, when those were coming up? Um, so, so the rookies are, are the one piece of the projections that we have to somewhat do manually. So I did get the projections from Cowper cause he's kind of our, our resident rookie expert. His dedication is unbelievable. Sure is. So, so essentially though, what we had him do is he didn't project oh, Saquon Barkley's going to get, you know, 800 rushing yards, 50 receptions, and, you know, another 400 receiving yards, whatever. What I essentially had him do was tell me, like, what percentage of, like, carries he thinks he's going to get, right? So of all the giant running backs, what percentage do you think he's going to get? And then I take those and, you know, run some numbers and whatever and, and spit out a result. So that way, you know, he's not really necessarily nitpicking on some of the – 
the like, oh, this statistic isn't perfect sort of thing. And it's just more of a like, again, it kind of boils down to like, what do you think their opportunity share is going to be? And an interesting example of how that, you know, can work in interesting ways is Doug Baldwin. Uh, I mean, he has basically no competition for targets out there in Seattle. And our projection algorithm loves him too much, in my opinion. But, you know, I'll let it run its thing. I think it's an interesting projection to have. Uh, he's projected right now for, I think, is like the second wide receiver behind Antonio Brown by a fairly comfortable margin. And honestly, I mean, he's got Russell Wilson throwing him the ball and no real competition. It's kind of hard to argue against it. Yeah, I think it, uh, in our PPR league especially, and, and one note that I'll make, the first thing that I did is jump between my leagues, the league that I have with my buddies, we're, we're still operating in the Neolithic era with the, with with standard scoring. And so the, the algorithm does account for the differences between leagues. Does it differentiate further if we start inserting things like your new um, first down feature and stuff? Is that going to be built into the projections automatically by the algorithm? The first downs won't be less because of the projection algorithm itself and more because we haven't been keeping track of first downs in the past. So it's hard to project going forward if we don't know where they've been sort of thing. But, I mean, it is projecting every stat that we have in our database, which is pretty sizable. You know, the projections just project the stats, and then, yeah, and then we turn those stats into points projections for each league uh, customized to your scoring settings. That's very cool. That's uh, People are going to love that in my leagues, and I think our, our listeners are going to really enjoy this when you start stacking these. You can start sorting them by points per game or rushing yards, the, the usual features that you would hope for and expect there. So let's talk it. Yeah, you said it's hard to argue Doug Baldwin at number two. I think that's a good place for us to start. Um, I would obviously be thrilled as a Russell Wilson owner in our expert league if, if he's balling out. I mean, it's you have him above people like like DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, like uh, even further down, Julio Jones. So Kyle, talk to me, like man versus machine here, since you're like your AI like produced this to some extent. Does your does your heart, your mind, would you really like pick Doug Baldwin over Julio Jones if you were making the call? There's absolutely no way. I mean, I honestly have not been a, a big fan of Doug Baldwin personally. You know, I don't think I've owned him in basically any league for the past probably three years because he's draft he's just drafted higher or more expensive than than I would otherwise take him at. This year I I'm significantly higher than I've been in the past, but I'm still nowhere near what uh, what uh, my AI says. I would, you know, realistically in my opinion, I'd probably put Doug Baldwin probably in like the low wide receiver one range this year. I mean, it's just so hard because he's going to have Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. They still don't really have an offensive line. I mean, I know they took a running back, but he has, I mean, there's nobody else to catch the ball out there. That's fair enough. And Goody, I want to pick on you a little bit. The new projections have the man, the myth, the legend, OBJ sitting down at wide receiver 15 and outscored by such luminaries as, Marvin Jones Jr., for example, in Detroit, um, as the proud owner of OBJ and sitting on the, the single largest contract in our league, I believe. How does looking at that make you feel, sir? Let's look at you on the couch for a moment. I, first off, I, I I hadn't seen that yet, so th- thanks for making me um, get sick. No, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily 
I, I know a couple of things probably go into that algorithm with that coming back from an injury. Eli Manning versus Russell Wilson in the case of Baldwin. And I, I could see the touchdown upside with Baldwin. I mean, I think he's been good, really good. He's a lot of, you know, big time analysts are, are really on Baldwin this year. I, I don't think, you know, because we're in dynasty, you know, I think everyone still views OBJ as a prime dynasty asset, you know, top five, top five. So I, I'm, I'm not really worried about it. Um, personally, I, I think he's going to produce, and I think the the cocktail I have of, between you know OBJ's contract and, and some of the other contracts I have on my team, and you know what I have in you know at other positions, I, I, I feel pretty good about at least you know before any of the fake football like gets kicked off. Fair enough, Kyle. We 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 got the trading started this year, and there's going to be some articles and some ink spilled over what went down in the Writers League draft. It's one of my favorite days of the year, to be honest. I love the slow draft. I can speak to what you're saying about as the commissioner there. It's not hard to input those input those players after even the three rounds that we moved to this year in the Writers League. And when it hit the 106 spot, I approached you about the 107, and we actually were able to like pull a trade off so i would have 106 and 107 back to back and it was it was cool it was, it was our first interaction on the phone like speaking we've interacted a ton online and so i just wanted to get from your side and your perspective your recollection of how that went down and maybe give some insight to our listeners on how two guys that pretend to the throne and pretend that we like know what we're doing here how a trade like that goes down with really premium picks in a in a rookie draft so, um, yeah, what, how did you feel when I approached you about getting the 107, knowing that I was going to try to keep the 106 and 107 back to back? You know, there were definitely some people that I, I liked there. Um, fortunately, since I get the, the, the wonderful pleasure of editing these podcasts, I, I had a fairly good feeling as to who you were looking to take with those two picks. And fortunately for me, I didn't really want uh, either of them. So, you know, I, I was very open at that point to move the 107, but with the caveat of only if I could find a trade partner to essentially move back into the back half of the that first round, uh, which I ended up moving right back into the 108. So, you know, I think that you valued that pick very fairly, um, maybe even generously. I mean, maybe you were, uh, maybe you, you really, really wanted uh, what DJ Moore or uh, Baker Mayfield she ended up going with. So I, you know, it was a it was a fairly easy decision for me to pull the trigger on that one. Can, can you remind our listeners what um, Luke gave you to to get up to the one point oh seven? He gave me. Let's see here. He gave me the two oh seven, a second round in twenty nineteen, and a first round in twenty twenty. For, I think it was that, and then did did I give you a third round back? I think. In 2020, yeah. In yeah, 2020, yeah, yeah that's, that's what it was. I mean, that draft capital, you know, I already had at that time, I think, two or three picks early in the second round. So I felt pretty comfortable, you know, moving all the way back and picking up some, some extra draft capital for the future. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the rookie draft capital. I mean, I think I have – I think in our league now I have two – two 2019 first and three 2020 firsts already. And that's before the season kicks off. So maybe I like them a little too much. I might have to go on a bit of a spending spree after our auction and uh, really get my team up to where it needs to be. 
Yeah, I don't think it's bad getting that cash on hand in terms of the the rookie picks. It obviously gives you a lot of leverage. And I, I'll speak to the listeners briefly about this. I think one thing that is clear is I tried not to waste Kyle's time. I knew I'd, I was willing to go fairly high to get that pick. I knew I was willing to cough up some serious assets. And Goody, I want you to weigh in on, on how you feel about how much I threw at him to get it. But the other thing that I did is like Kyle was honest enough to tell me, he's like, I think I know who you're going to go after. And I was like, well, look, you're not going to trade me the pick if you don't know who I'm going to go after and it's someone that you want. So I'm just going to be forthright. And I just told him the two picks that I wanted to be make back to back. I did so because I thought it was actually going to make a trade more likely. I wouldn't recommend that in all instances, but I thought here, like I'm, he's not going to, he's going to be less likely to trade it if I'm going after his guy. And I thought maybe it won't be his guy. So I just was honest about it. So Goody, talk to me on two levels. Do you think that was, uh, do you think I was over overly generous with either the picks or with my strategy for Kyle in an attempt to facilitate that trade? Um, I, I guess I'll start with the picks. I I don't think so. I think everybody values future draft picks differently. And and while first rounders are always going to be currency and, and second rounders for that matter too, I would think in a league like this, especially 10 team, I, I think that Everybody also has differing opinions on how good they think their team's going to be. If 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 you think that you have the kind of the the core group that within two years is going to win this league, then you're giving you're giving Kyle the last pick of the first round, for instance, which still ha- has tons of value, but it may not have as much as you know the what you definitively knew to be 1.07 this year. So I I think with in terms of future draft picks, you have to. You, I don't think you can get three years down the line with, um, you know, who who's coming out in the class. I, I'm sure, you know, Bob kind of gets us in that mentality a little more than anyone else. But I think that if there's a guy that you're very confident in now, like go, you know, go go get the guy in this year's draft. Hope, you know, especially if you have a good set of players, and just hope that pick turns out to be something less down the line. I mean, the one thing I don't like to do personally. I don't like to fully trade out of a draft, even if it's just that I have a third rounder left. Because I, psychologically, I want to be in—I want to be in the action to some extent. I don't care if it—if it's minor. I, I mean, I guess your second question I'll address is being overly transparent. So I, yeah, I—I I think sometimes, like in a situation like that, where while you are doing a slow offline draft, you're trying every, you know, people are at their day jobs and whatnot. Like, I think you're trying to be courteous to get a deal done as efficiently as possible because, you know, you have pushy guys like me who are, have the next pick and are getting antsy. So I, you know, I think that, I think it's good to recommend like general boundaries in terms of how long teams have to pick when you're doing a slow draft. And then if teams are working a trade or traveling or whatever else, just have the common courtesy to, you know, be transparent on like, Hey, I I have, I, I, you know, I know this is taking a while, but I have a deal that I think is going to go through. Very good. Those two picks ended up netting me DJ Moore and Baker Mayfield. I don't have any buyer's remorse on Mayfield. I just, I already see that pick growing in, in, in wonder and splendor and becoming, I can see him taking over the league. It's really basically a foregone conclusion at this point. However, the DJ Moore pick, I think I might've got jumped the gun a little bit early on wide receiver there after the first five running backs went off the board. Uh, Kyle, a couple things that worked out really well in the draft for you that I want to speak to for our listeners. You, 
ultimately opted for that trade because Rosen was your quarterback of choice. And then, like, Kristen, Christian Kirk fell all the way to you in the second round, so you paired Rosen and ostensibly as top receiver for the for the foreseeable future uh, together. And that was, like, either that was really lucky or really brilliant strategy on your part. Can you speak to, did you think Christian Kirk was still going to be there when the 206 rolled around? I wasn't sure. I was, I was definitely hoping uh, that he was going to be there. And once Sutton got off the board, Kerryon Johnson, some of those guys, I felt more and more sure that I was going to be able to nab him. It was kind of my strategy going into it. Uh, Definitely to grab Rosen. Rosen was the quarterback I wanted the, the whole time. I'm all about the football IQ, and you know I think that that uh, is is a super important thing, especially for rookie quarterbacks to have. And he's probably going to be thrown into the mix earlier than than quite a f- few of the other ones, just because Sam Bradford's basically made of glass. I, I think in order to to have any kind of success, you know, you, you need that as a as a nice starting point. And then Kirk Kirk was really nice just to pair with him. And Goody, I, I was almost more excited for you than you were at one point in the draft. I was texting you. I could not believe Royce Freeman, who I view as a more talented back than this, fell in our league all the way to the second pick of the second round. I thought that was particularly fortunate for you, given that you're the Devontae Booker owner in our league. So, um, but you you seemed a little bit more reserved in your joy. There was no there was no fireworks going off in Seattle when that happens. So tell me what <laughs> tell me what your reservations were about that pick. I didn't necessarily have reservations about that pick. I was thrilled about it, and I am in hindsight, especially seeing where where Freeman is going now in in mocks. Um, I mean, I, Devontae Booker, I have on you know on a one year deal remaining. It was a two year, two million dollar total deal. I'm happy to have the starter in in an offense that I think likes likes to run the football, and and I think that you know I am excited about Freeman. You know, being University of Oregon product, I. I'm pretty familiar. I've seen him a lot, and he, he just definitely got a lot, a lot of run. And I, I know he didn't fare like as well as like the Sonny Michels and, and whatnot in in Graham's um, in Graham's yards created. But I, I feel pretty good about about the pick and the opportunity. And I, I mean, I think I was when I got the 2.02. You know, ironically from Kyle, I, I was targeting Rosen there. I mean, I really like the fit in Arizona. I think just having gone to UCLA, not that far of a move, just staying on the West Coast, um, I just think he's a you know a cerebral quarterback. I think he'll fit in pretty well in mm-hmm. in with the Cardinals, and I could I could see him producing. And you know, I know the arguments are whether he needs football or not. I don't care about that. I mean, I think the only potential concern with him is also durability. I you know I, I think he. He he shows all the signs of being a, a really good quarterback, and and I I probably would have picked him ahead of Mayfield personally just because just a little bit you know the just the Browns track record with quarterbacks scares me a little bit, but I I feel a lot better for for the Browns picking Mayfield than I did on draft night. For sure, listen, Ryan McDowell has six of the the fantasy players in the top DLF's top one hundred. Uh, on the Browns right now. So there is, in fact, you know, always next season for the Browns. And apparently that next season is loaded with good young talent. So I'm I'm happy with Mayfield. I already offered a little self-criticism in the DJ Moore pick. I think perhaps I could get more capital out of that pick if I had loaded up with another quarterback, another young guy, specifically Lamar Jackson, probably would have been my a better move in terms of how much those guys are valued in our league. 
to give the listeners a sense of how the first round went down, it was Barkley, of course, Geis, Chubb, Sony Michelle, and Rashad Penny. Particularly when Penny went off the board right in front, I thought uh, it was time to like start getting into the quarterback mix. I, they went earlier in our league this year to give everybody a sense of you really do have to adapt to the changing winds in your league. Last year, quarterbacks didn't start falling until the second round, and I think, as you said, Matt, you were expecting uh, you were expecting like. Rosen to still be available for you certainly at the top of the second and and that's not how it played out three quarterbacks were gone at that point and really four by the time it got to you because Darnold went as well um having said that there t- you guys made two really awesome picks that I've already alluded to I thought Freeman and and Christian Kirk were great uh Kyle you got to defend yourself on Naheem Hines at 2.07 a little bit I don't know <laughs> I understand that but, uh, yeah that's uh that's that was more out of need I mean the top eight running backs were off the board at that point and uh I'm a Colts fan so you know in a PPR league I kind of like Naheem Hines to I mean I honestly don't need him to do anything so if he can honestly just turn into like a third down scat back I'll be fine just out of curiosity Luke I mean you you think that Freeman obviously should have gone should have gone earlier than the 202 and I I mean I agree with you who do you think shouldn't have gone before the 202. Uh, I mean, that's fair, I, especially now that I've seen. So we had four quarterbacks go ahead of him, and that's what drove him down. I think that's yep. probably right in terms of our value, which in my mind, then my own DJ Moore pick probably could have. I, I'm not sure that anybody else would have picked him in the first round had I not done so. Like just knowing now how guys were feeling and valuing guys, especially the way that the community tends to value those first eight running backs. So the yeah. guy that I'm reticent about is Ronald Jones. I I really am not a believer. I, it's tough saying that because our champ picked him and, and Bernard certainly made some right moves and hit, hit gold with Todd Gurley last year. So I don't want to offer too much criticism of that without bringing Bernard on here to, to, to tell us why he's better than the rest of us. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah like I, Ronald Jones is my guy that I would not. I, I actually prefer Freeman to Jones. I don't know about you, Goody. I, I prefer Freeman to Jones, but I think if Joe, based on the opportunity that Jones has, I think I probably would have swallowed my pride and, and taken Jones had he he lasted that long, absent you know a, a quarterback being available that I liked. Very good and Goody. For some reason, I I'll pick on you on your next pick too. Like you picked DJ Chark in the third round, it's almost like like you should have picked a better receiver that somehow wasn't available to you. What what happened there? Like I don't know what happened. I refuse to take on Corey Coleman <laughs> and give up a, a third round pick. Um, I had a pick. I I could have had Anthony Miller at three point oh two, which I think is a wonderful pick by Jaron at at that value. And you and I were kind of both like angling to get Dante Pettis. I I, I really just like the opportunity, the comps. I've seen comps to Marvin Jones. I think that that would work, you know, wonderfully for you, if that if that happens and. And so, you know, after not being able to pull off a trade there, you know, I went with DJ Chark, basically just a physical tool set, a team that, you know, in the Jaguars that while they have a crowded situation, I feel like Chark, um, you know, based on the research I had done kind of like right when I was on the clock, it's people I talked to just like him to fill that potential Allen Robinson role. If not this year, maybe down the line, he's just a good, good vertical threat and just has a, you know, the 6'3", 215 kind of skill set. And, and the Jaguars went on record and said that they would have traded up for him had he not been there at a certain point too. So I I think that just spoke to me, you know, that some of the other receivers there are, 
you know, just different different types of receivers. I mean, D.D. Westbrook still hasn't necessarily proven it yet. Marquise Lee, you know, got re-signed there, but he's a, he's kind of more of a, an inside receiver. And then, and, and then, you know, Dante Moncrief is, you know, question mark. And I loved what I saw out of Keelan Cole, but he, he doesn't fit the physical profile that Ch- Chark does either. So I hear you there. And, and you took that with some good humor. I'm having fun with you guys, but we're, we're careening towards the, towards the end here. And we'll get to some Twitter questions before we do. So I do want to give another peek behind the curtain before these articles come out about our rookie draft, Kyle, in the third round of our league, and those values are just great, right? You're talking under a million dollars for four years per year. And in our league, guys like James Washington, Anthony Miller, who we just alluded to, Dante Pettis, the second two tight ends, Hayden Hurst and, and Dallas Goddard, uh, Kiki Kute, like some really like names that are popping in different an- analysts' analysis so far. Kyle, tell me about it now. I, I didn't value third-round picks, to be honest, before I saw it for the first time in this draft. Tell me about what your thoughts are now that you've seen the first third-round play out in, a, in our writer's league. I mean, it, it's hard to say now. Yeah, it all looks good now, but you never know how it's going to turn out. To me, I'm definitely still focused on the, the, the first two rounds for sure. I mean, the, the cost savings you know, of a third round is great. It's not much better than a second round, to be honest with you. So I'd rather I'd rather just pick earlier and, and kind of, you know, get that over with. I think I've already traded away all my third round picks for the next, like, three years, which should tell you a little bit about what I think about third round picks. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I was all for adding them, but honestly, it was more for trade fodder for me. So, you know, I, I think focusing on the on the first two, you know, the quality of players is, is still is still it's still decent in the third round. Part of, honestly, probably why you saw some of those players fall is that we had the uh, our rookie draft. I mean, it was what we held it like a couple days after the rookie draft ended. So, you know, there isn't enough time for analysts' recommendations to start creeping into your head and you're kind of just going on your gut, which I think ultimately leads to potentially some some later steals in the third round for sure. And I can't recommend those early rookie drafts enough. I think it's really cool in leagues where you're pressing guys to go by their gut and go by their research. We're all, you all, we all have the disease that we're drafting an NFL draft in May anyway. So it might as well, might as well push ourselves to the limit a little bit. And I think it's also funny that you sit there with a smirk and say that you're fine trading away third round picks since you have roughly 47 first and second round picks over the next two years. Um, Goody, how about you? What did you, what was your thoughts on the third round as it transpired? Yeah, I, I I don't really value those much either. I, for some reason, when I did it a couple of years ago, I felt like they were cheaper than they are now. Um, Maybe it's just the 10, a 10 team league factor of it. So I'd still view those as dart throws. I mean, the fact that guys like Anthony Miller and, and Pettis went in the third round, I think those are more educated dart throws than maybe the one I made. I, I think there's value to be had, and if you hit on that, you know, kudos kudos to you. But I'm still – I think the, the casualty for me with the third-round picks is really like roster spots. And as my team has more long-term contracts – I'm less enthused about having these third round guys occupying a roster space in those leagues. Like you look at some of these guys, teams in our leagues, I don't remember how many roster spots we have. I think it's a little over 20 and they have 16, 17 guys occupied already heading into, heading into the auction. And, And I think at some point, some, you know, 
push comes to shove with that and you're forced to make some harsh in-season decisions as a result of that. That's a really great point. For sure, for sure. As someone who tries to lighten my lost roster as, as a point of emphasis. But listen, guys, I could talk RSO with you all night. Uh, that would not end well for my employment. So we will uh, we'll, we'll t- take this up with you at a different time, Kyle. Thanks for coming on, man. Like, this is awesome. And I do want to end with some of those Twitter questions. Let's give them, let's give them the best one. Goody, what, which one do you want to throw at Kyle while we still have our mastermind here? Sure. I mean, there, there were only a couple, and I think Kyle addressed one of them about, like, the app and, and trading trading on the app. So, But here's another question that I think we answered a little bit on Twitter, but, well, you know, it was one of the other ones. So um, De- Derek Tom, um, at Derek, T-H-O-M, asks my league mates don't ever check their email so oftentimes trade requests will go unanswered especially during the off season any chance of an option for an sms or text alert being sent when a new trade request is generated oh man oh man my, my first comment would be why aren't your owners on the site in the off season and i mean that's the best part sounds um, like a league but, i want to get into you know yeah yeah but but on a more serious <laughs> note i mean it's possible for us to, from a technical standpoint, to do something like that. You know, whether or not it makes business sense for us to to incur those, you know, the, the cost of doing that is, you know, it's probably debatable. I mean, I guess the thing is, nowadays, almost everybody has, has email and email notifications on their phone. So I guess the question would be, like, is sending an SMS really going to be that much better you know at getting their attention than an email would be you know it's something we'll look at but i don't foresee us doing that anytime in the near future well listen it's been awesome to have you on kyle thank you for making this time for us thanks for building such a site that is worth uh like all the time the rest of us put into it and then play with you certainly have done your done your part of distracting us from real life and real responsibilities and then so uh i appreciate that uh, when our listeners go looking for you, they can find you on Twitter. To give one more time where they can go. Uh, at RSO Kyle English. Follow me for, you know, I'll tweet out, uh, you know, when the new features are available. First downs will be the next one, for instance. Or if you, or if you have technical problems, hit me up on Twitter. But still, the quickest way to get in touch if you're having technical problems is to just email inquiries or, the, or use the contact us form. All right. And Goody, how about you, brother? Uh, first, before I say my, my user credentials or whatnot again, I, I want to thank everybody for checking out the podcast. Um, we do try to create these such that the content is not necessarily time sensitive. We love that you get to it you know, as fast as you can, but definitely you can go back and there should be useful content in, in all the episodes. So ch- ch- hopefully you know, check out all of them if you haven't checked them all out so far. Um, make reviews on iTunes and everything else. It just only makes us better. And you can find me on Twitter at MattGoody2. And yeah, I'll be there for you at FantasyDocOc, D-O-C-O-C. I echo what Matt said. It's been awesome seeing our numbers go back up on those kind of evergreen podcasts that started this out. And now that we're getting into the double digits of episodes, we really appreciate those of you that have taken the time out of your day to rate and review it. We're starting to see the importance of that and driving traffic to us. So thank you so much. And for those of you that haven't done so, get on there. Like, tell us what you have to say. Praise, mock, otherwise belittle us or, or laud us, and we'll be happy to keep doing this for you as long as you're happy to hear us. So for All About Reality at Reality Sports Online, 
with Kyle and Goody, we're calling it a night.